What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Jake Podcast. It is Thursday, July 12th. Getting ready for the weekend. Been a kind of a long week. Uh, man, July has been flying by. We're almost midway through July now. You know, June was gone in a flash. Uh, I mentioned months ago that May 1st, one of my favorite days of the year, because of what we're going through right now. These months fly by, and you know, all of a sudden we're halfway through July, almost halfway through July, and you don't realize that you're missing it, you know, spending so much time at work. So you got to make sure you do what I did last week, get yourself a vacation. That's right. Just came back from the Outer Banks, stayed in Kill Devil Hills with the Brainy Clan, 39 strong this year, the biggest crowd we've ever had there uh, with seven great grandchildren, all in the ages of like, you know, 10 months to like four years old. So it was a packed house, 20 bedrooms. I got my own room though. I don't know how I swung that. Like I got pretty lucky to have gotten my own room considering how many people there were there and how many people have babies and now there are kids' rooms. And now there are, you know, young parents get their rooms and, you know, people bring in their fiancés, people bring their wives. And it's like, yeah, I, I get pushed to the back end there. I'm no longer like mid of the cousin crowd. I get pushed because of people bringing spouses and stuff. So, but it was all fun. Had an awesome time there. Got down on Saturday morning after a bit of a bumpy start because we were supposed to stay overnight in a hotel in Virginia. And of course we uh, got a call from them and they said, okay, good news, bad news. And my mom's thinking, well, it's bad news that we're getting a call. So what's the good news? Our good news is we have another hotel for you. And she's like, oh, so the bad news is we can't stay at your hotel. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, Oh, yeah, okay, yeah, we figured it out. Thank you. Uh, we ended up getting placed in kind of a shitty hotel uh, near the bridge, though. So it actually just made our drive a little bit easier the next morning. But it was not the hotel we were hoping to stay at. It was a hot, muggy, I think the word we like to use was musty room that we were staying in. But we only stayed there for about eight hours before hitting the road. So it wasn't too much to worry about. Maybe like less. Maybe like six hours. But got down to North Carolina. Met up with everybody at the hotel before checking into the big house. Then got word of my soccer teams for the World Cup. We'll get into that later. And everybody had an awesome week. We cooked 71 mahi. That was awesome. Made some new friends on the beach on the 4th of July. Set up with tiki torches late at night. Couldn't really get the permit to do the bonfire, but uh, I think that's a little overrated. If you have like tiki torches, so much easier to do that, so much cheaper. You just bring the chairs, bring the tiki torches, light them up, cooler beer. There's nothing better than that. I mean, that's that's the way to go. Get some tiki torches going. But vacation was great. Made up. One of our favorite things to do on vacation is making up a game, right? Like that's one of the things I value the most about like my cousins is we're all we're always creative and like okay we're given a bat and a ball and a target and we're gonna figure out how to make that into a new game you know whether it's tossing grapes into a cup from like the other side of the pool or it's trying to catch ice cubes from the balcony because we have like a fourth floor that year this year was a little different we went a little hog wild with pool toys because you know when you have kids you're gonna get all the pool toys and we had now a bunch of grandparents living in the house that just want to spoil these kids so my uncle carl got like a 
pool's worth of pool toys, including uh, fighting cocks. That's right. We sat on... I didn't because, you know, like... I'm just not built for sitting on these things because they're going to pop. I mean, they popped when my skinny cousin sat on them. So, I mean, Jaker's not going to be sitting on these things. But fighting cocks where you're supposed to sit on it and then uh, fight against your cousin. I'm going to move on from that topic. It's it's weird. Uh, but also like a giant resting flamingo. Very Johnny Manzellish from when he was on the, the swan with the stack of cash drunk in the Vegas pool. But this was for four-year-olds. So... We played a typical game of having to toss koozies and land it on the Flamingo. There were heavy koozies. Flamingo was bouncy. It was a very difficult game. Got some sun wall in there. And yeah, of course, made a game. Flamingo. Had to toss the rings, land them on the Flamingo. Simple, typical game that the Brainy family has always been known to make up and just have fun with for a couple hours in the pool. And my cousin Josh and I basically shooting the shit, playing Flamingo. The real story might have been, though, 4th of July night, everyone's getting their pictures, everyone's getting their their 4th of July fireworks, chilling, and uh, we, we go down to the beach late at night with our tiki torches and our, and our cooler, and out of fucking nowhere, this random North Carolina redneck comes up to us and is like, hey, y'all, like... Y'all uh, want some company? It's all you guys look pretty chill, pretty cool. Want, want to see if you want to sit down? My cousin Caitlin is like crying because she was about to fall asleep. And then all of a sudden this guy comes up and she's like, ah, oh my God. And it's <laughs> it got us all. And we let him sit down because we we're like, I don't even know how to approach this guy. Like if I say no, he's going to pull a knife on us. Like good chance he has a gun. I don't really, I don't love the whole situation that we're dealing with right now. But his name was Justin Healy. He is an amateur rapper from the Outer Banks, but he moved to Charlotte big time, and he's moving to Orlando, where all the big time rappers go. So look out for Jay Heels, Justin Healy, who uh, famous line was, when in Rome, bitches be trifling, they be going to the trifle tower. Yeah, I don't think this guy's the next Eminem, but... I don't know. That's a pretty good line. You know, Trifle Tower, Eiffel Tower, when in Rome. Rome is kind of like Paris, I guess. I don't know where this guy's going. But, I mean, he brought some Fireball, brought some tequila, brought some vodka, and passed out in our circle. Probably shouldn't have drank all that alcohol that he brought for us because there was like a 60% chance that it was already like laced with roofies. But we were able to keep our head on a swivel, left him there at the beach, and uh, <laughs> took all of our stuff back to the house and then told him, hey man, we're going, so bye. <laughs> but if you see Justin Healy on SoundCloud, you gotta be, you gotta find this guy. Mixing tequila and liquor. That guy was something else. <laughs> that was his line. We go, oh sorry, you know, not trying to mix. And he goes, oh yeah, don't want to mix tequila with that liquor. I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> What's your name, man? Jimmy. Jew man? No. What? Unbelievable character that guy was. Uh, he told us a story about how his grandma lived down there, and he referred to as this bitch my grandma like four times. So, all right, Justin, way to, way to kill it. But that was a fun 4th of July. 
I always have fun going down to the Outer Banks. Uh, I'm actually going again later this summer with a group of friends. Very different part of the Outer Banks going to Corolla, which is almost as north as you can get down there. And it's about like 40 minutes from like Kitty Hawk, Kill Devil Hills area where my family typically goes. So pretty pumped for the second go around where uh, I, you know, I'm, I'm the old veteran. Hopefully uh, the gang will want to listen to what I have because there are a lot of things that go into having a fun vacation. Uh, I'm really excited for it. So pretty cool, pretty cool summer planned. Try to get as many vacation days in the summer as possible because like I said, we're already almost, we're already a third of the way through July, almost halfway through July. I know September is a good month and August is a good month, but like July's flying by. You know, June, July is everyone's favorite months of the year. So the fact that we're almost done with that, you know, try and, try and enjoy it. I got my birthday coming up in a couple weeks, got a couple concerts going on, got a treat yourself uh, project that in, in the works. That's going to be great. It's it's going to be a good second half of the summer. Nah, not going to doubt that. But yeah, back to vacation when I drafted the World Cup teams. Now, we are one game left of the World Cup, the World Cup final. Well, there's the third place game, but the World Cup final is Sunday afternoon. Now, when it reached 16 teams, a bunch of friends of mine, mine we jumped in, decided to do a mini pool where everybody gets a team, throwing 20 bucks, and I got Croatia. Now, if you've been paying attention, you will realize that Croatia is one of the final two teams standing. Pretty cool. And at the time, I just had no idea. Are they a good team? Like, are they one of the top teams? Or are they like the 15th or 16th best team in the 16 remaining teams? I didn't really know. But as a non-soccer fan, I have really thoroughly enjoyed watching them they have been a lot of fun not just because they're winning obviously they've watched they've they went three and zero in the group stage when i wasn't paying attention and then they've won all three games in the tournament bracket you know whatever you want to call it, the knockout stage two on pks one in extra time seemingly two maybe all three were upsets it was a lot of fun so fun and they're tough that was the one thing I like. Now I know I'm like you know somewhat biased because I'm I've been you know I drafted them and I'm now rooting for them so I can win a bunch of money. But they seem just like a tough team. You know they don't the, out of the matches that I watched, they probably had three or four of those like fake crawling injuries that it's like you know oh that you that the typical American that doesn't watch soccer hates soccer for right you know. That's only happened a handful of times. You know, you watch two seconds of France play and you're like, geez, I can't watch this. Unless you're like a diehard soccer head where you look past that type of stuff. And I know every sport has something that common fans won't like and even the diehards won't like. You know, whether it's kneeling on the ball in football or, I don't know, just the whole sport of baseball sometimes. Uh, basketball can be a lot of drama, a lot of flopping, uh, a lot of faking. So I get where, you know, soccer is not the only sport that has this problem. But to me, it's really the only one that sticks out because I don't watch it regularly. And I don't like the faking of the injuries because it takes away from guys that are actually injured. I know a lot of football players who have gotten injured throughout their careers. And I hate seeing, you know, guys take advantage 
of injuries like that. It bothers me. I know that's kind of reading into it a little bit, but it's true. The only reason people fake injuries is to get the attention and use what comes of a fake injury without actually getting injured. If every time someone faked an injury, they would get injured, nobody would fake injuries, right? Well, something to think about. I know. Uh, and some of the teams, Brazil, you know, Neymar was pretty pretty egregious. France, I mean, they get an early lead and all of a sudden they are just dying on every contact. They are frustrating to watch and it's going to be easy to root against them in the final because every time I turn them on, it's like, nope, nope, can't watch this, can't watch this. But Croatia, they don't really have the recipe to win this because they keep on playing too hard. They're not exactly the fastest team out there. Uh, especially when you know they beat Engl England, that was a bit of an upset. Especially since everyone wanted the World Cup to come home, you know, and everyone wanted England to win. And I'm sitting there like, well, I, I, I kind of want this Croatia team to win. But uh, they were a lot of fun to be rooting for in this whole thing, and I'm going to be rooting for them hard on Sunday afternoon. Probably be chilling on the beach, listening to the game on my phone for a little bit, then come back for like the second half, maybe. Not really sure. Got a busy weekend. I want to be able to relax a little bit. Wouldn't be the worst thing in the world to just saddle up and watch soccer on Sunday afternoon. Especially since I'm not really going to watch it for another four years. So, what's the harm? But, it's been a lot of fun. Looking forward to that final and definitely going to talk about it next week. So, that should be that should be a good topic. We'll have, we've got to have Owen Stewart back on next week. Talk half, you know, midway point of MLB. We'll talk World Cup. Yeah, we'll get... Let's try and get Owen Stewart on next week. So yeah, so watching soccer was a big part of this vacation. It is every four years, kind of like watching a LeBron decision. Yep, that happened too this year. So four years ago, we watched the World Cup and watched LeBron come back to Cleveland. Four years before that, we watched a World Cup and LeBron leave Cleveland. So what was going to happen this year? Was he going to leave Cleveland? Was he going to stay in Cleveland? Ultimately, he chose to go to Los Angeles Something that, if you've been paying attention to the NBA the last couple of years, wasn't a big upset, wasn't that big of a surprise. Uh, the timing was slightly surprising, considering that the Lakers didn't do anything during the draft. They didn't uh, acquire Paul George. He stayed. They still haven't acquired Kawhi Leonard, and it doesn't look like they will. Nothing was really pointing in the direction of the Lakers, except that, you know, he loves probably living there. Like, let's face it. If you look at what the Lakers have, they have location. You know, and, and they don't have home for him, but he has two homes there. The whole entertainment thing and becoming an entertainment mogul, like, he's LeBron James. He's already one of the top three most recognized athletes in the world. Probably number one if we're being realistic considering you know, America's 350 million people, and, uh, you know, he's the center. But I digress. LeBron made his decision. Uh, whether or not winning or home or whatever his motivation was, it was the decision he made. Nobody's burning his jersey this time around. Uh, it's kind of the opposite. Everyone's thanking him, and the team that he went to is destroying murals with them. And someone was quick to point out, well, you're not going to judge the whole Cavaliers fan base 
by a couple of people who burnt their jerseys. I'm like, well, it kind of sounds like we did get judged for those assholes, but okay. Let's say we don't. You don't judge a fan base for a couple people destroying a mural. I'm like, yeah, that's also true, but pretty ridiculous that they destroy, destroy the mural of the best player in the world coming to their team. Not leaving their team, coming to their team. I don't know, I think it's worth... <laughs> I think it's pretty ridiculous. That's just me. But I don't really consider Laker fans deserving of LeBron, but they got him now. They'll probably lose in the second round. They don't have that stacked of a team. And they completely surrounded LeBron with knuckleheads. Uh, someone called him, I think it was Worldwide Wob, called them the meme team, which is a great nickname for this team. With Lance Stevenson, Rajon Rondo, the Ball family, JaVale McGee. I mean, come on. this You're like Joe Kim Noah, um, <laughs> Kelly Olynyk, and like Deshaun Stevenson away from this being like my least favorite supporting cast of all time. It's unbelievable. So, what do the Cavs do from here? Right? Like, I made it clear a couple weeks ago, based on LeBron's decision, the Cavs should do one of two things. You know? If he stayed, go all in. Trade the eighth pick. Trade the supporting characters. Get as many moves as you can to be able to get a new second banana for LeBron. Maybe it was Kemba Walker. Go out on a limb and get Kawhi Leonard. Uh, CJ McCollum was on the board. A lot of moves were could have been made. LeBron decides to leave. The Cavs took Colin Sexton with the number eight pick. Now it's time to build around Colin Sexton. He's looked good in summer league, which I know is only summer league. So, you know, you can't take too much of that into account. But he's looked good. Uh, Chetty Osman. I mean, talk about a fan favorite. He was a fan favorite last year. Don't know why he didn't get the playing time. It's baffling, but now he's going to get the playing time. He's probably going to be the starting small forward this season. And from what he's shown in the, for the Turkish national team and in the summer league, he looks to be a pretty good starter. Hustler, good defender, good size. His shot is really improving. I think he's worth building around with him and Sexton. And they picked up an undrafted free agent, Billy Preston, who looks to be really exciting. Ante Zizic looked pretty good. I know no one has ever heard of any of these players, I'm saying, but if you're the Cavs, you trade all your veterans, you get bad with these players, you play them, you get a couple more picks, all of a sudden, and I know it sounds crazy, in three years, you line yourselves up for a max slot for LeBron James to come home, play here for two, three years, and retire. That's the end goal. You have LeBron on his way out. And I know people are like, oh, come on, you just lost LeBron. Now you're talking about getting him back? He's made it clear that this is home to him. He's made it clear that he wants to retire in Cleveland. And he's made it clear he wants to play with his son, LeBron James Jr. And LeBron James Jr. is just a kid from Akron. His hometown team is the Cleveland Cavaliers. You want to think about these things and add them up. If the Cavs get LeBron James Jr. in four or five years and get LeBron, LeBron will want to come home and retire and play with his son for one year. I mean, come on. That's, if you know anything about LeBron James, you know that's exactly what he wants to do. So line yourselves up. 
in two years, you're going to be rid of all these contracts. So there's no rush to make trades now, even though I'm antsy to get rid of some of these guys like George Hill and J.R. Smith. Kevin Love still has a ton of value. You're going to have to trade him this year before he opts out. But I think the Cavaliers need to make moves this summer or this season so that they can build. You know, you're going to need more picks. You can't afford to be in that eighth, you know, playoff spot, barely making the playoffs, getting beat up by better teams, and then not showing anything in the draft because you're drafting 15th or 16th. That's not going to get it done. You need to be drafting in the top five. You need to get these franchise-changing players that go early in the draft. And they've got a point guard. It looks like they've got some complimentary players. Time to get a go-to scorer. I know it's going to be a year from now because that's really how you build teams is through the draft or through superstars. And obviously they're not going to go superstar route this time. They're going draft. So, look, not all hope is lost. I think it's going to be an up-and-down year for the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think we're going to be talking about them a whole lot less, which is okay. And LeBron, he left, but he did the one thing he said he was going to do, and it's bring a championship to Northeast Ohio. And for that, I say thank you. Uh, Wish you stayed, but you know what? I understand the move. We didn't do anything to keep you, so... I can't be mad at you this time around. You stayed true to your word for the most part. And uh, thank you for being a part of and bringing the championship to Cleveland. Now, moving on, because I don't want to talk about basketball all night. I'm probably not going to talk about basketball a whole lot, considering how drama-packed that is. (laughs) Going over... To the one-minute movie reviews, got two this week. All right, I saw two good movies, Sicario 2. When I was in North Carolina, we uh, wanted to escape the heat, and the house wasn't open just yet, so we went went to a little afternoon movie and saw Sicario 2. Now, if you saw the first Sicario, you would know that the first word that comes out of my mouth is going to be, "Wow, is that violent?" Violent, violent, violent was the way I would describe Zicario too. Everyone that asked me was like, "What? how was it? What would you think? And you can't say three words without saying it was violent because it was violent. It was really good though. Dark. And it's one of those movies that I really liked because they didn't pander to the fans and say like, oh, you know, like, uh, you know, a lot of these times you see some of these movies like the next movie I'm going to announce where... They try to be a blockbuster hit and they want to reach as many people as they can in the audience. That's not Sicario 2. They're like, listen, we have a small demographic that we're aiming after. We are looking for males 18 to 40, and that's about it. For so, And they nailed it because right from the get-go, this movie is assassinations. It's uh, terrorist attacks. It's suicide bombers. It is some intense stuff that really opens your eyes about what actually goes down at the border. The first movie of the the Sicario movies had more to do with drug trade and controlling borders that way. This one covered more of human trafficking and sneaking people past the border, yet it was still just as dark. Uh, It was a completely different storyline, which I thought was very cool for a sequel to come out 
and basically make it a completely different movie. They didn't. You didn't have to see the first one to appreciate this movie. All you needed to know is that there was history between Josh Brolin and Benicio Del Toro and that they had worked together in the past. That was it. You didn't need any other information from Sicario, the first one. That's all you need from this one is they worked together in the past. And they made that pretty clear early in the movie. I would see it again and again and again. Every time it's going to be on TV, I'm going to turn it on. It is violent. It is gory. It is, like, shocking. Don't watch it with your family. Make this, like, a, like, solo trip adventure. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Second of the one-minute movie reviews, last night saw Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Now, this is a perfect example of they're not going to test the boundaries. They're not going to get super dark, even though they want to go super dark because... They need to reach all ages. They want kids. They want adults. They want males. They want females. They want every demographic here because they are a blockbuster industry movie. So they need to get everybody on board. With that being said, it's still dinosaurs on the big screen. It's still movie stars like Chris Pratt and BDH. Uh, I I liked it. Did I think it was the best Jurassic Park? No. Uh, it felt more of like a bridge movie. And I think the way it ended, they set it up nicely for a third one. However, I'm not going to be racing to see it again. I liked it, but man, did it <laughs> mimic the first movie a whole lot. I mean, the final like fight scene, I almost stood up and just like shrugged my shoulders and be like, didn't we see this in the first one? I mean, the Velociraptor comes in, saves the day by... Uh, killing or at least helping kill the <laughs> the dinosaur that was created by man that shouldn't have been created by man. The only thing is the first one's for attraction, the second one's for war. So <laughs> it seems like we had seen this movie before. The first one was basically a mimic of the first Jurassic Park. They really are milking the hell out of this theme. I'm going to be interested to see how they do this for the third because... If you can't tell, uh, and spoiler alert, the dinosaurs got out and they are now in California. And there's not a lot of them, but as Jeff Goldblum says, life finds a way. So, so that's probably going to be part of this is that they will maybe somehow find a way to reproduce and it will be people living with dinosaurs. That is kind of how this franchise is going to go for the for the future so while i understand what they're doing i'm not going to say it's a 10 out of 10 must see uh if you've seen all the Jurassic park movies you should probably just see it anyway because i mean it's still a fun dinosaur movie uh i heard the guys over at kfc radio combine taken with jurassic park and uh i don't know another like a heist movie or something which, you know, got me thinking, yeah, maybe, but I don't know. It, it was a lot of predictability. It wasn't too great. Didn't love it. Open my eyes. Come on. I've seen like a dozen movies this year. I want to be eye-opened. I don't want to know what's going to happen in my movies. I try my hardest not to predict these movies, and yet somehow I still do it every time. Come on, people. Give me something new. All right. So something I want to do this week that I'm going to start doing every episode and this is 
partially from the rewatchables, which I think The Ringer does, uh, part uh, Lights Camera Podcast, which is now, a, I believe it's a barstool entity now, which has been great on its own for a long time. But someone pointed out to me, you know, Jake, you watch a billion movies. Don't just review new ones, review old ones too. So it got me thinking, do a little R&R. And we're going to call this segment Rewatch and Review. R&R. The first one we'll do is a movie I watched Sunday night with the fam while we're all just chilling. And it's The Sting with Robert Redford and Paul Newman. Now, this goes back to like the beginning of heist movies. And this one is gold. You know, you look at the cast right there, Redford, Paul Newman, you're like, damn, that's that's a way to set things up. A bit of a longer movie than we're used to, but definitely worth the seeing because it's a movie from the 70s that's supposed to take place in like the 30s or 40s. Uh, the one thing that stuck out to me the most, though, that I like couldn't shake was, okay, we get it. Like, let's let's compare this heist movie to current ones. The Ocean's movies stick out the most. And if we're going to say Danny Ocean, George Clooney, and Brad Pitt, compare this to Paul Newman and Robert Redford, I mean, Newman blows Clooney out of the water. I know, he's George Clooney, he's super attractive, he's good looking everything, but like, in the Oceans movies, he doesn't do anything. He's stoic, he's emotionless. He's basically just sitting there looking most of the movie. He's just like staring at you most of the movie. He doesn't do a whole lot. And that's not to blame George Clooney. They ask extremely little of him in these in these movies. I mean, you, you got to tell me, this has got to be, if you heard an interview and if he was speaking candidly, he probably would have been like, it was the easiest job I've ever done. They didn't ask me to do anything. And same with Brad Pitt. They don't ask him to do anything. He eats half the movie. That's it. But you look at what Paul Newman does. Within five seconds, you're seeing the range of the actor and you're seeing the depth of the character. Two things I never saw with three movies worth of, of Danny Ocean. And I'm strictly speaking Clooney's Ocean. I'm not talking Sinatra's Ocean. And I couldn't shake that because something that Lights, Camera, Pod also did recently was build your heist team. And I noticed that a lot of answers for the main guy were Danny Ocean. And the thought is, well, it's a very successful recent film. And considering most of their fans are going to be in their mid to early 20s, maybe even younger, I got to think not a lot of heist movies have been more popular in their lifetime than Ocean's Eleven. So obviously when it comes to picking your all-time heist cast, it's going to lean heavy Ocean's movies, when in reality, I'd rather have anybody from Heat. I'd, ha I'd rather have the guys from, from The Sting, you know, because Redford and, and Brad Pitt are comparable characters in their movies. And I'm going to go Redford because like in The Sting with Paul Newman, you got a much deeper character. And I really like that. I like that they dove into that and they made them use their acting chops. I like Brad Pitt and I like George Clooney. I just don't think they asked them to do a whole lot. And I don't know, now that you look at more movies and you compare heist movies, you're like, maybe the heist was cooler 
maybe the there were more characters and there was a lot more fun and there was tricks and trades and stuff, but you know, in terms of the acting chops, they didn't ask them to do anything. The other heist movie would definitely be Inside Man. I mean, if I'm picking someone to lead my heist, it might be Clive Owen. The amount of work he puts in, in that movie is phenomenal. I mean, Inside Man, I wish I could see that for the first time again. That's one of those, if you had a list of everything that you wish you could see for the first time, you know, Gone Girl is atop that list. Uh, Girl on Train, another one on that list. Inside Man, definitely on that list. I throw in a couple superhero movies here and there, but you usually know where those are going to go. Uh, I wish I could see The Hangover again for the first time. That'd be a great one. You know, we'll, we'll do that. We'll make that a top five next week because I think that'd be a really fun top five to do for the podcast. It almost reminds me of that movie quote from Superbad when they said, it's like hearing, you know, looking into his eyes, it's like hearing the Beatles for the first time. Like, what a, what a great line by Jonah Hill on that one. God, Superbad was just the best. One of the best movies of my adolescent life. Which makes me think of, you know, if we're talking rewatchable movies, you know, Jaws is going to be my R&R next week. And part of that was, I always watch that July 4th week, and this was no different. Even though I was on vacation, I was still going to watch Jaws. So I'm sitting on the couch... Everyone's, you know, huddled around, you know, either doing the dishes or finishing up dinner. And I'm watching Jaws and my cousin's kids are sitting in the, you know, near the couch with me. And they are four and three years old, I believe. I know the first one's four. I, I forget if the younger one's three or two. Regardless, they can talk and they can, for a good amount, understand what's going on the TV. Now... Before anything bad came on, I did ask their dad, do you want me to change the channel? I said, no, you're fine. And like, kind of, kind of like give a smirk, like, nah, fine. You're fine. Come on. Uh, mom, however, did not like that because when somebody's leg fell off their body and jaws, again, not scary to Jake. He's 28 years old, but little Finley, who's four, I don't know, uh, especially when the next day, and hopefully they didn't connect the dots here when Finley says, I like the pool better than the ocean. We say, oh, why, Finley? Oh, because there's no sharks in the pool. And I'm like, change the subject, change the subject, change the subject, change the subject. Let's talk about pool floats. Let's talk about beer. Let's talk about anything at all in the world. But no, we had to talk about sharks in the ocean. Fortunately, her mom wasn't there for that. That would have been disastrous uh, because she was not a fan when she said, Jake, are you guys watching Jaws? I said, no, 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 it's cool, it's cool. Their dad said it was okay, and there was nothing bad on TV, and I covered their eyes, and uh, no one was buying any of that shit. <laughs> hey, you know what? I think at the end of the day, they're fine. They don't live at the ocean, so it's not a big deal. Uh, but, uh, yeah. Hey, everyone gets exposed to sharks sooner or later. I remember when the, we saw Jaws on the beach in Spring Lake when I was a kid at St. Catharines. It was my grandparents brought me and my sister to... They put up a big projector on the side of the wall at the uh, the public pool at the beach. And we watched Jaws, and my sister was crying all night long. And my grandmother admitted that that was a huge mistake, taking Maggie to uh, watch Jaws on the beach. Not her best moment. So, But you know what? You learn at a young age. What's wrong with that? And you know, one thing I do need to recognize, and I'll give a shout-out for... Uh, 
when I was at the movies, you know, being in line for popcorn. There were a couple people in front of me, and the two people in front of me had two people meet them in line, and then two more people meet them in line. Now, I had plenty of time before my movie, so I wasn't really rushing. Uh, even though I like to get to my seat as soon as possible and chill, I was in no rush that day. And they were still nice enough to do the one move that I have always stood by when it comes to cutting in lines. If you're going to help people cut the line, whether you were there first or they're just going to jump in with you, whether they, that was the plan the whole time or if they were just walking by and now they want it. This applies to any line whatsoever. The one I noticed it the most at is Osprey and Manasquan, where the line wraps around the block like four times. You're in line for 45 minutes and you get to the front and I see my sister jump the line with like three of her friends, six of her friends, because I see one girl in line. I hate that move. N hate it. But if you're going to do that, you let the person behind you cut. That's the one thing you got to do. If you're going to cut the line, which you're not supposed to be doing, which, you know, old grumps like me hate, at least have the courtesy to turn to the person behind you and say, hey, do you want to jump in front of us? And I know you can't do that for everybody, but you got to do it for the one guy who was getting close and then six girls jumped right in front of him. And fortunately, at the movies, these two young, I don't know, have to be like end of high school kids said, oh, do you want to jump? You know, we just had a bunch of people jump in and they were talking about candy and they're talking about chicken fingers and stuff. I was like, God, come on. I mean, I know I'm not in a rush, but this would fucking suck. But they were nice enough to offer up the spot. And I was like, you know what? Touche. I'm going to take you up on that offer because I'm just getting my popcorn and my water and I'm going into the theater. So pretty pumped about that. I wish I could spread that to everybody. So my millions of followers, my millions of listeners that are listening right now, I want you to do that. Anytime you plan on cutting someone, let the person you just cut jump in front of you. It, it what, what does it do differently for you? You just cut the whole line. The least you could do is let the one person you screwed over royally jump in front of you. And you know what? It's good karma. What you need because you just jumped the fucking line. Regardless. Alright. So. Coming to a close. Uh, I want to jump back into the final couple days of vacation. You know, I wanted to point out uh, my tan is supposed to be in right now, and it's not quite there yet. You know, in my last few years, I've done this whole burn and tan uh, method, where I would burn on like a Monday, and by Friday, it would turn to brown. And that's all good, but that's not happening this year. And it's more noticeable now that my girlfriend tans like every day she can, and uses like the cheating like tanning oil, which... You know, whether or not it's cheating or not, it's performance enhancing. So it is a PED in terms of getting sun. I need to get it back out there. I need a day in the sun on Saturday or Sunday because my tan is just subpar right now. Another thing I found out that I'm not that young is I got iced. Yeah. During vacation, one of the young guns decided to ice me. Uh, Albert decided to be an asshole and give me the 24-ounce smearing off ice. Now, I knew we had Smirnoff Ices in the house. They're disgusting. They're super sugary. They're super carbonated. They make you feel gross inside. But you can, I can at least do one. And I thought that's what I was going to get when I saw the Smirnoff Ice. But this one, 
This one was like the Mac Daddy of Smirnoff Ices. And my aunts were in on it too. They set me up, those evil women. It's rough, but I almost made it through. I got through about 21 of the 24 ounces before I leaned over the sink. This was like during desserts too. We were just about to go out, do the first ever brainy cousin bar night in the Outer Banks. And I said, hold on, gotta blow chunks. My Uncle Kevin patting me on the back, knowing what's going to happen, saying, yeah, I can see in your face, this is coming back up. And I threw up all over the sink. Helped me wash it down. And that was that. But note to self, that was the last ever Smirnoff Ice. I am retiring from the game for good. I don't need that in my system. I don't need that on my conscience. I am doing just fine in life, drinking my Spring Lakers and light beers. That's fine by me. Smirnoff Ice, we had a good run, but I'm not. I'm done. Not going to drink another one the rest of my life. Period. All right. Listen, everybody, this is a late episode, a little tiring. Going to finish up with a quick Cleveland review. Nothing in the Browns world, which is fine. You don't want to hear about your team in July. You know, most of the things that come out about July are bad, like when JPP blew up his hand or contract holdouts or guys getting hurt like JPP blowing up his hand on fireworks or, I don't know, guys getting traded, released, whatever. Nothing good comes in July football, like when JPP blew up his hand. So nothing from the Browns, which is fine by me. I'm okay with that. We'll talk to the Browns in August. Uh, Indians, really, really struggling. The worst bullpen in the world, uh, which is making Tito Francona have to use his starters longer, which is affecting them too. It's like a cyclical effect that's hurting the whole team now. It wasn't just the bullpen pitching bad. It's now the starters pitching bad because they need to do more. It's frustrating because they were just such a good bullpen two years ago. Last year, they were a good bullpen too. This year, they're the worst in MLB. I've been saying this for months. A month. Weeks. You don't need to wait till the trade deadline to go get your relievers. I know you're going to win the division. You know, that no one in the AL Central can touch the Indians right now. I get that. But if you want to actually have a shot at winning the World Series, you need to make some moves. Why wait to the deadline when everyone's scrambling and the prices are going higher? Make the trades now. Go get your guys. They don't even need to be the controllable ones that stay here for a few years. They can be guys that are going to expire. Zach Britton's going to become a free agent. I know he hasn't pitched much this year, but... You need to make moves like that where you get proven relievers because the guys we're trotting out there in late innings against the Yankees in tie ball games, they're not cutting it. These these are not the guys that are going to help us win a World Series. We got to go make multiple moves. Andrew Miller's going to come back. We don't know how good he's going to be. Danny Salazar isn't coming back this year. Okay, so you have Miller and Allen at the end of the bullpen. Neil Ramirez looks to be a mop-up guy. Nick Goody hasn't pitched. McAllister can't be on this roster. Olsen can't be on this roster. Uh, Odalis Perez, I guess, can be on this team. I guess there's a spot for him. But that's like three guys. You know, four if you include Ramirez, Perez, Miller, and Allen. You don't even know if Miller's going to be healthy. You need three relievers 
in addition to Miller. You need to call up Miami, Baltimore, and San Diego, and you don't hang up until you have three new arms. And you don't need to give up the farm to get these arms. You don't need to go get Manny Machado because I I, I know he'd be an awesome upgrade. You put him at third. You put uh, Ramirez at second. All of a sudden, you have three all-star infielders. And then Kipnis gets an outfield at bats because Lonnie Chisnall's hurt again. So I understand that him adding him would make a good move. But you need to focus on the thing that's going to help you win in the playoffs. And that's not Manny Machado. It's relief. It's the guys that are going to come in when you have a 3-1 lead and you say, I need to get eight more outs to win this ball game. You need guys that can get two of those outs, three of those outs. So that's my spot on the Indians. We're almost at the, we're past the halfway point. But we're almost at the All-Star break where we'll talk a lot of baseball next week at the All-Star game. Uh, Jose Ramirez just hit his 28th homer. He's at the most in baseball. He won't be in the in the home run derby. Him and Frankie Lindor are doing some crazy things right now that baseball combos haven't done since the 1927 Yankees. You know, like the greatest baseball team of all time with Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig. You know, two of the greatest baseball players of all time. These stats that they're putting up, and yet people can only talk about Judge and Stanton, and yet these Indians guys. They have the number one and number two extra base hit leaders in baseball. Just saying. Anyway, it's been a good week. A lot of fun. Hope everyone gets to maximize on their summer before it's too late. Take care, everyone. See you next week.